and welcome to Happy Place. I'm Fern Cotton and today, as we approach the start of the Happy Place Virtual Festival 2020, we catch up with one of our brilliant guests at the festival. It's Freya Ridings. I've never felt good at anything. Like most of the time you're like, you know, you're cool and you have friends or you're really like academic and you're nerdy. I was neither and I was like, ah, this is bad. Like I need to find something that I can do pretty soon and when I sat down on the piano even like learning piano they were like you have to be able to read the the music I still to this day can't read the music if you found yourself struggling to find your place in the world if you feel out of your depth this chat is the kind of pick-me-up that you need today Freya is a total joy Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay, here's the show. doing i've been really enjoying watching all of your lovely performance videos on instagram during lockdown they've been so nice thank you so much for watching um it's just such a surreal time isn't it i think for so many people it's you know just a kind of new way of life like even like doing this is like who would have thought thought, like a few months ago but being sat back at the piano and spending this much time with my family after being away for so many months and almost years now it's kind of lovely to be back with them and to spend this time with them but just kind of finding the silver linings wherever we have we absolutely have to because everything's so weird how has it been because you know from doing the podcast and from just chatting to my mates it's tricky whether you either live with other people or on your own because you're either in like with my brother who's just completely on his own in his flat which he enjoyed for the first two weeks and now he's like I don't know what to do versus us with all these kids running around in chaos it's really tricky so how are you finding being with your family has it do you feel like you need some space um I think because we were homeschooled for a bit at the same time it's just me and my brother and we have a seven-year age gap and he's fantastic and I think overall so so lucky like the idea of being on my own at this point like I'm not sure I could be I'm not sure I'd be handling it as well and I have a lot of respect for like people like your brother who are just having to kind of make the most of it on their own geez I can't I literally can't imagine (laughs) um it's mad isn't it it's like we're all in our different kind of bubbles and just trying to think about what other people must be going through right now is just at the forefront of everyone's mind Especially mine. I think so. I think so. And thank you so much for doing a beautiful performance for the Happy Place Virtual Festival. I'm so glad. Thank because you for obviously when we me. Oh, it's been so great because when we had it all booked to do the festival live and you said that, yes, you would perform. We were going to do like a little sunset session. I was so psyched. And then obviously 
with everything that's happened this year, we've made big changes. And we thought, well, actually, we could do it digitally. And it would be wonderful if you would still do the performance, which you did. So thank you. Thank you for being part of it. Thank you for having me. I was so excited that the, the idea of still getting to do festivals. I was like, yeah, like I look forward to them like all year. I'm sure like we all do. And then suddenly it was just evaporated. But I think getting to have that was a really lovely thing. And people are still tuning in and I'm still really enjoying watching them. So I'm glad, just really happy to be part of it. Oh, thank you, because I'm I'm absolutely psyched about that. So look, we we first met in the flesh uh, at Top of the Pops. We I know did. that was that was like a real childhood dream for you to be on that show. How how did it feel to kind of tick that off the list? It's it's so surreal. It's so surreal because it's that that show where you know you'd run down the hallway with your dad with a cup of tea every Friday night and be like, "This is the moment." You'd look forward to it, like after school it was just so so exciting and just to get to actually like you know see all this and also it was Christmas top of the pops so mm, there's something special. about that about even like watching that on Christmas day with my family is just like you know all of the all of the time and energy and sacrifice they put into helping me along this crazy journey it was just like top of the pops and they're like yeah yeah that's we're, such a we're good quite a theatrical family so we do actually like properly freak out it's not like they're like well done they're like ah it's so great that's so lovely though and what a moment because I'm sure in the kind of bizarre fast-paced world that you live in you don't have that many moments to stop and go wow look look where I'm at now and top of the pops at Christmas was like a good one like you're all chilling you're probably in your pajamas and you can watch and go oh look things that great things are happening you're so right I think Christmas is the only time over the last few years where it has been able to sink in because it's the only time when we all stop before this so it's almost kind of like such an interesting it was just such a fantastic time to try and absorb what had happened in the year because it, mm. it all feels so surreal like one year you're you know working in a cafe and doing like nanny jobs and and like still playing gigs at pubs and clubs and then suddenly you know you get to be on top of the pops and you're like you have a bit of imposter syndrome for the first year. You're like, do they know that I'm just like a person who used to play at pubs? <laughs> and then suddenly I still have there. that now. I still have <laughs> imposter syndrome all the time now. Like, how the hell am I talking to this person or interviewing this person? I have it all the time. I think there's a part of that that never goes, maybe, yeah. for, for a lot of people. I think it's, it's probably quite a healthy thing because... For me, I think it always makes me want to strive more to get better and to do the job better and and also doesn't allow you to get carried away with the whole fairyland aspect of the weird career that we both are in. So I think it's a good thing. It is a I good think it's thing. A good You're right. Thing. It keeps you grounded in your own head. <laughs> yeah. So so going back to the start, obviously I, I got to witness your deeply melodic and hypnotic voice at Top of the Pops for the first time as you sang live. And I wonder at what age did you realise that singing and like that voice coming out of your mouth made you feel good? I've kind of grown up in a family that, well, my dad, music is his true love. Like he's an actor and voiceover artist, but music is his actual love and passion. And I think growing up watching him play his, his guitars and sing and write songs, it was like, I just assumed that that was kind of what you did. And for a while I was like going to be a rebel and I was like, I'll be an accountant or something. And, I'll, <laughs> and they were like, okay, we'll support you in that. Um, but that was the best idea I had. But it was, I think being so cripplingly like shy at school, it was just, it was so hard to come from a family where I was so kind of loved and accepted for my sort of strangeness and, you know, being a kind of fiery little redhead. And then you go to school and it suddenly that makes you 
such a target and it makes you so vulnerable. And I just kind of shut down and I went into my complete shell from the ages of like four to, I mean, pretty much the whole of school. It wasn't just a bit, but when I was 11, I had been writing songs on my dad, dad's guitars and at the piano. And there was an open mic night at school. And um, I decided I'm just going to go and play and just see what happens. And it was literally the most terrifying moment of my life because I hadn't even spoken, I think, to many people. I was like, oh, so shy. <laughs> but that was the moment that it hit me, like, you know, lightning bolt moment to the chest. And I was like, it's the first time I'd ever felt like myself outside of the house. And I remember being like, you know, even if this doesn't work out, I'm still, I still want to be doing this, like, until I'm 75. <laughs> so how, how did you overcome that shyness? Because, so you know, much. it's really tough, because it's funny, I love talking more than anything. And I love communicating, but I'm naturally an introvert. And I know yeah. that about myself. I get very drained if I'm around lots of people. I, I get yeah. tired if I'm just sort of doing light chit chat with people and I need to be on my own Mm -hmm. and I sometimes if I'm in a really you know you know a deep sort of version of that state I do find it hard to get myself geared up to do a podcast a radio show whatever because I know I have to kind of get over myself and get over all the barriers I put up for myself and 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 fear about failure or whatever what what kind of allowed you to go, right, I know this feels uncomfortable and I really want to, but I want to get up on that stage. How did you get up there? How did you do that? How did you overcome that shyness? It was so strange because even after that moment of kind of, you know, pushing yourself out of your comfort zone so much to get up on stage and do that, it was still like, the second I stepped off stage, I still reverted back into my shell. I was like, <laughs> and all, like, you know, cool people who hadn't necessarily been very nice to me were like well done that's great and I was like thank you I was so (laughs) scared I was so scared of the whole thing so for me going to the piano rooms at lunchtime was just well there was like one piano room and I used to kind of just hide in there and it was like the way of keeping who I was alive through those kind of really isolating times because I used to sort of berate myself I was like you know people didn't physically they weren't physically abusive but being ostracized is like as a a human being it's like it's almost as painful as being punched in the face you know having a group of people stand up from a table when you sit down at lunch it's like that never leaves you and so that's why I'm still like every show I play and people are there I'm like this is so cool like people <laughs> want to come and join me for something and mm. it doesn't yeah it doesn't but I think I didn't really get over the shyness until I think I was about 17 18 like it wasn't that moment that completely changed everything for me as a person it was musically but my, I remember my mum, it was after a show actually at Brit School and I think I'd sung like half a song and afterwards everyone was saying goodbye and I just put my head down and was like, just had to kind of, I was like, okay, like everyone was saying goodbye and I just couldn't do it because um, I cared so much, like I wanted to be friends with them so much, but I couldn't say anything. And she went home and she was like, right, we're going to practice you rolling your shoulders back, like standing up tall and being like, goodbye everybody bye (laughs) and I was like I can't do that I can't do that and I was so scared and she was like you just have to pretend you just have to pretend that you're feeling confident and I was like I can't do that I can do that and she was like yeah like you just be like you are at home outside in the real world and I was like Mm. at the time that felt like the most terrifying thing because when I had I'd got like so you know cruelly treated for it that it was like I can't do that again so I think 
coming out of school and getting to kind of live in the real world was just such a incredible euphoric feeling of like I get to connect with people who love the same things as me and do the same things as me but you're right you follow it follows you that gratitude for what you didn't have you know growing up because I had a fantastic family and I'm I'm so lucky for that I think a lot of people feel the same that they can be fully themselves with either a select group of people they really trust or within the confines of their own home but then carrying that over into working situations social situations is really hard and it's it sounds like such a small issue but I think it is a big part of of our everyday lives that we dilute ourselves or reduce ourselves when we step out of the door. And I remember having a really similar conversation with someone where I felt, you know, I was me at home, but when Mm -hmm. I went to work and I was either on the radio, whatever, I, I couldn't be me. And someone said to me, well, what would happen if you were just you? Yeah. I was like, Oh, everyone would hate it or everyone would hate me and everyone would be awful or whatever. Um, I'm sure maybe there's people that didn't particularly like me not being 100% me. But I think, you know, I had that exact moment where I went, wow, that's so liberating. I could just be me. And also, if people don't like it, that doesn't matter. You're never going to be liked by everyone or please everybody. And that is such a sense of liberation. And, And I'm so glad that you found that because... Often I think if you've labelled yourself something like shy or that you feel ostracised when you are in groups, that can really continue out of school. And I wonder if you've ever sensed that within the music industry. Did you still feel like the odd one out when you entered that whole new world? I think for me it was trying to find my tribe. I was always trying to find the people who felt like my family but outside in the real world. And it's... My mum was always like, you're never going to find them all in one go. You're never going to find just one group of people and that's it. It's like you have to kind of, you go through life sort of meeting people and having different connections at different times. And that's the beautiful thing about getting to like build a band and a team. And I was just like, I get to go to work today with like friends. And they still like getting to walk out on stage with friends. And I used to come off on stage when I used to play on my own, uh, you know, gigs. And I'd just be like, you know, you have that euphoric, like, come off stage and just you high-fiving yourself, just like, cool. <laughs> but now I have, like, an incredible band of, like, stunning musicians and it's it's the perspective of, there's never a moment where that leaves you, but I was just determined to be like, if I can't find a tribe, I'm going to build one and just see what happens. And there's something so great about, music was the one thing where I felt kind of, like, authentic beyond anything. Like, I was like, this is honestly where I sit down at the piano, I'm the happiest and the best version of myself, um, or the most real version of myself. And I think when you put that in the outside world, it ripples. And my mum was always like, I quote my mum so much. Oh, you're a lovely <laughs> mum. She sounds amazing. She has so much wisdom. Like the wisdom of my parents, I think, because I didn't really like have that social, I didn't sort of imprint on my social group growing up. I imprinted on my family. So all of the lessons and wisdom that they have absorbed, I'm like soaking it up. I I, I want it all. Like I want to learn the mistakes so I don't have to make them. Like it just saves so much time. And I think there's nothing wrong with learning from my parents. But she was, um, every time I'd get nervous before working out on stage, she'd always be like, it's connection, not perfection. And it was like my anxiety would just evaporate out of my body because it didn't have to be perfect. It had to just feel meaningful and like it felt real to me 
and trying to share that. That's all I had to do. And that became so much that. easier than being perfect. Oh, I'm taking that, that one. Do you like that? Please, <laughs> that. please tell Mrs. Ridings that I'm, I'm all over that one. Connection, not perfection. I mean, that I is so, so wonderful because I think so many people want to feel that in their friendships or work, but we do yeah. over worry that we're not doing it right or yeah. that we've got life wrong. And I think that, you know, we all know there's no wrong or right, but we do often worry I'm doing it wrong rather than actually just forging authenticity and connection, which is so, so important. And also at school, you were dealing with dyslexia. So, so how, how did yeah, you... Yeah, that, that wasn't fun too. I didn't no. even get to be like academic and nerdy. I was just kind of like, nothing like there was literally a time when these girls came into the the bathroom and I was like hiding in one of the stalls because I used to do that most lunchtime before I found piano and they were talking about there was another girl called Freya in my class and they were talking about it and they came out and I was like oh is it and they were like oh no it wasn't you it was about the other one and they were like no one talks about you and I was like oh my god that's awful I think that was a big part of me keeping my second name as an artist like it was really uncool to be Freya R at school. So getting to kind of see my name, like, you know, above the Hammersmith Apollo, like oh. sold outside, I was like... Yes, <sighs> and deserved. So how did your school, did, did you feel helped when you were at school, when you were, what, you know, at what age did you realise you had dyslexia? Because I'm sure there were years, like many kids have a frustration where you're not diagnosed oh God, yeah. and you don't know what's going on. You just feel like you're falling behind. How did you deal with that? it's the craziest feeling because you know at home I would have all these like conversations and I loved conversations and talking but when it came to like holding a pen in my hand I would be like half the speed of other people when it came to writing and they'd be chatting and have it, it was a huge part of why they had friends because they could talk and and write at the same time and I had to put every energy I had into the into the work and I'd only be halfway there and I was just like there's something wrong like I don't know why I'm I feel like I'm kind of walking through treacle when it comes to this but when it comes to conversations at home like I can talk forever I, it just seems so strange um and that was the moment yeah my mum and my dad took me and we got you know diagnosed by a sort of dyslexia therapist but it was something that kind of followed me I was like this is this is either going to be something that ruins my life or something that makes my life like and I was like I'm going to turn it into the biggest positive I can find about seeing things because it is it is a superpower and no one focuses on that when you're little they just say I'm really sorry you're dyslexic and you're like oh is that a bad thing no because we all have different ways of thinking about things and it's like a problem solving brain and it's and when little kids sort of or parents of little kids like tell me that they have dyslexia and hearing that it can be a positive thing like it's a huge positive thing Mm. but when it comes to school and that very small confine it's not but for the rest of your life, it will be. And so it's just a very strange thing to tell children that it's not a good thing when it's all about perspective. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. So how, I mean, I'm, I'm imagining that when you then 
found the piano and you and you obviously had a natural talent there but you worked very hard to cultivate that did you feel like that was your way of expressing yourself you know in in ways that you couldn't at school academically completely completely I never felt good at anything and it was like you know like most of the time you're like you know you're cool and you have friends or you're really like academic and you're nerdy I was neither and I was like ah this is bad like I need to find something that I can do pretty soon and when I sat down on the piano even like learning piano they were like you have to be able to read the the music I still to this day can't read the music and that was a huge part of why I had to write my own songs because teachers would be like if you can't read the music you can't play the music Uh, and I would be like I can hear it and I can work it out and if you show me I can play it and they were like that's just not how it's done and so for me I was like well, I'm going to have to write some songs, aren't I? Because I can't play Good any for of the you. ones that you're going to teach You could have been so easily put off by that. You know, I think... It's my parents. They were like, yeah, you do that. Good. When you're like seven or eight and you're learning piano for the first time, whatever they say feels like gospel. And I think learning songs that you love by ear is one of the best ways to, you know, learn chords. And, and I still do things to this day that other musicians like, but you're not allowed to do, you're not allowed to do that and I'm like I didn't know but also like, who cares with a hard key oh. I just know that it's like all the black notes and it's really easy to play and I like the sound break the rules break yeah. the rules I absolutely love that I my son loves playing the piano and it's not something yeah. that we've pushed on him but we had this crummy little keyboard in my stepdaughter's room and he just kept going back to it and going back to it and I can't play the piano. My husband's really musical, but he doesn't play the piano so well. He's a guitarist, Mm but Rex would, yeah, but Rex would hear things and then he would, he would play it. And he, I let him watch a couple of videos of little tutorials online of just like the notes being pressed. And now he's playing like little Coldplay songs and it's just so wonderful. And I don't know, he's seven. And it's oh, so wow, this is the perfect age. to watch. This I think so. Age. And I think yeah. once something becomes boring as well for kids, yeah. like you've got to do it this way. This is how you, l- you read music and this is how you learn a song. It's like, this is torture. Yeah. But I think if you just you yeah. know allow them to, to try it, it, and thankfully I know nothing about music, so I've got no other way of, of showing him how to do it apart from look at this video on YouTube. But he's getting it and it is a lovely thing to see. And I think... You know, Rex is quite an intense kid and I think for him to express himself in another way is really positive. So it seems like just a a perfect, organic, like natural situation that you 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 navigated yourself towards that piano and you and you let it all out. That's so wonderful. I've spoken I to love people about kids doing that. I know, that isn't it so happy. cool? It's so wonderful. I've heard of I'm trying to rack my very tired brain today for the word, but there's there is, um, I met somebody a few years ago who played the piano and when they touched the keys and they couldn't read music either, this was like purely a sort of visceral experience. Mm-hmm. They would see colours and like colours wow. equaled notes. It's called something like synthesia. Is it synthesia? Yeah, it's like synthesia. There's like the, t- you can, there's some people who can taste words and some people who can see colours when they play music. I love so cool. that. But it is... It, I always think of like Skittles. I feel like yes. people just seeing like the rainbow. But isn't that so cool that it doesn't have to be this, you're good at learning music and that's it. No, it's something you feel or you, like you say, you taste. It's like a full sensory experience. Oh, and that's so Hell cool. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you were, so you were at school, you were, you were dealing with dyslexia. You knew desperately that you wanted to go to Brit school later down the line, but you had to get certain grades to get there, right? God, yeah. 
and I got told that I would get I would get I got told very early on that I would get no GCSEs they were like there's no way you're gonna get GCSEs I know <laughs> and me and my mum were like okay cool uh <laughs> how do we get past this because I knew I had to get I had to get a bare minimum like to get into the Brit school like pass them at least and she was like right you're gonna be homeschooled we're gonna homeschool for two years to kind of wow. recover from the the isolation and the bullying and we're gonna just put everything we had into it and it was so strange I'd always become okay with the idea that I would never get any and then suddenly you put this thing that I wanted beyond all recognition on the other side of it and I was like right I'm gonna find a way through this mountain if I have to dig with my own hands it's gonna happen and yeah I ended up getting like way better grades than I thought I would and it's like also the secret no one asks you that for the rest of your life like genuinely there's no like BBC Live Lounge you guys weren't like but what do you think <laughs> it's like it's the strangest thing ever I know. but at the same time it's so important in terms of like putting something that you love on the other side of it yeah because otherwise you know what's the motivation I'm so I'm so big into like you know young people and little kids like we find that determination when we love something and if we don't love anything I think the love has to come first and then the hard work comes yeah first. that drove you to do it I still think of myself as a highly like you know lazy person and yet suddenly doing what I love has meant that I get to do so much more than I thought I'd ever get to do that's so cool and like you say having that drive is just the key to doing it and you know no one having any faith in you and then you saying actually I've passed my GCSEs thank you I mean it's actually the opposite of me I was supposed to get loads and I got like six and failed loads of them so you you did it the better way around Freya well done so that enabled you to then go to British school so having felt on the outskirts of, you know, the sort of social culture that was going on at school. Did you feel the same at Brit school? How, how was that? As You know, you'd really kind of held Brit school up here. Was it as you'd imagined? It, in, in a way, the school was, it was fantastic. And it is a fantastic tool for, you know, people who do not have the means to have a really fantastic musical education. And one of the only courses that actually focuses less on the, the technical side of music more on the kind of the world around it as well so that was fascinating and getting to do auditions every Tuesday was like the biggest it was a huge huge sacrifice for my family I think people you know looking back sometimes we're like wow they they, they moved our whole family across the city and we did not have enough they did not have enough money to do it and they still to this day they're like we do it again like you know it always meant that they'd lost their house but they were like we'd risk it again um so for me it was like watching them take that kind of level of sacrifice I was like I am gonna give everything to this school let's let's just give it a go socially it still wasn't the tribe that I dreamed of but I think looking back that was the complete way that round that it had to be because it meant I was still writing songs at lunchtime and going to every audition that there was after school I remember there was there was auditions for like what was it? It was like male urban artist and I turned up and I was like hello <laughs> <laughs> I was like can I audition and they were like all these like rappers were like, I mean, I mean, you can, but do you want to? And I was like, why not? Why not? I was like, yeah, why not? Yeah. But it was like the first audition. I did every audition that there was. And the first one, I was like, I think I forgot the words and I basically ran out. And by the last one, I was like having a chat with people and I was like, fine. Like, there's that kind of, you just get into the rhythm of doing things that terrify you on a weekly basis and built and built and built. And now I can, you know, do things that terrify you on a daily basis. what I think it is, you know, there's so (laughs) many things that scare the hell out of us, but if you have 
that repetition, it does get less scary. Mm. Like that is the only way to combat scary things is to do them again and again and again. And also I imagine, well, I've experienced it myself definitely when I was a lot younger and really still today, rejection, because the more you get rejected, Mm. the comfier you are with it. Like, oh, I didn't get that again. And it's not such a big deal. And I think there is no magic spell with that one. It's just repetition. Yeah. That like persist that like determination where you're like, yeah, doesn't matter how long it takes, I'm just gonna hold on. But there are moments that shake you, and you're like, maybe I shouldn't, like, maybe this isn't the path I should be on. Yeah, and I think those are the moments where holding on and having, you know, a support system around you is invaluable. Like, I, I still have so much respect for the the artists that I know, like locally, who they still work a, a full time job and they still play over mic nights at night, and you're like that that level of grit and determination and they're so talented it's like Mm. you know when there's a hard day or there's like a a 3am call and you're like yeah I I do it time and time again because these opportunities don't come around a lot and they are just so much fun and it's what we all have worked you know dreaming of what happened next then so you were doing your open mic nights still at this point so you were at Brit school and still doing open mics is that right oh I didn't I didn't go out until I don't think I even like had a drink until I was like 20 it was it was like I think having, again, a lack of a social life and also because we'd moved down to this like tiny flat that was really, really close to the school, but it was actually in between like a mental hospital and a gospel church. And the noises that you would wake up to would be like screaming and it would be like angels singing and you'd be like, whoa, what has my family done for me? This is another level. Um, And I'd like walk to school with my guitar and like crazy people would come up and try and take the guitar off you and be like, no, not today. Wow. So there were so many sort of stories from that time, but we also, we never got like a phone or internet plugged into that house. I don't know why, but it made the biggest difference in my life because I'd come home, we'd sort of, we'd watch DVDs and films and that was it. And so apart from that, you know, writing and like dancing in my bedroom were the only two things that I could do. And it made such a huge impact on my life. Like, you know, I completely transformed the way I looked. (laughs) I wrote like so many songs that ended up I think actually being on the album um so it's it's just kind of almost come full circle where looking back you know not going to the pub or like not you know turning up to school hungover I would have been I would have loved to be that cool (laughs) (laughs) but um I didn't and I look back and I'm like thank god I'm very grateful well you you had this the time and the space to be purely creative and and work out how you wanted to write and and the sort of style. So so what happened from there? How did you get signed? What what, what was that turning point for you where the momentum started to build? So <laughs> we call it like the three years in the wilderness because there was a, there was a three year gap where it was some some interesting times, like some highs and lows. It was really it was the grit that makes the pearl, as my mom said. She was like, you needed to find some grit because. I don't know if I did have some interest at the Brit school, but I was also so shy and still, I was still like, didn't know who I was as a writer. I'd sort of like, you know, I'd sing covers and I'd be like, I do write songs, but they're kind of quite like fluffy. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to be liked, like I could feel it, you know? And I think, you know, getting dropped by any interest that I had by any big, big people, it was a shockwave that I was like, right. There is no, there is no safety net. There is no like, you know, cavalry coming, I'm going to have to like write the cavalry that comes to save me. Like I'm going to have to write a song that makes people realize that I can actually do this. But going through one of the worst heartbreaks of my life simultaneously at that time, just it, like 
I've heard a lot of like the power of the nine. So like big life changes happen on like when you're 19, 29, Oh, 39, is that right? Also on, like, I'm 39 in September. Yeah, How exciting. We make a third of our, oh, yes. you! Ah! People make the biggest, like, it's like a third of their biggest life choices on the nine. Wow. Like moving country or like getting married or, you know. Oh my God, I met my husband big, big when I was 29. Life. Yeah, I think I, I left kids TV when I was 19 and I met my husband. And I was, this is making, what's, what's going to happen when I'm 39? What, I'm excited. The nine wow. Okay. Right, so you're. <laughs> it's not like everything has to change but overall like my brother's about to become 19 and even like looking back I'm like when I was 19 I took this massive shift to to sort of say I'm not gonna play covers anymore like I'm and I'm also not gonna spend time with you know people that don't allow me to feel authentic and joyful like I'm not gonna do it anymore and that was like the universe was like okay we shift and then it took sort of three years of trying everything I could think of like and it was literally a, a, there's one of those lucky sort of, you pull a thousand strings and one, one happens. And out of all the gigs I'd played and all the open mic nights, and you always think someone's going to be in the audience, and they never are. <laughs> it's more about just learning to like, yeah. connect with an audience and feel that biofeedback when you play a song. So if you play a song and everyone's like, Rrr, you're like, yeah, okay, not ditch. that one. Throw that one away. Like, try another one, try another one. And then suddenly you like try one, everyone's like, mm. and you're like, okay, cool, we'll keep going. So it's just that constant like, you're right, like failing, trying and failing and just learning. But yeah, three years in the wilderness and a boy actually that we were the uncoolest people at Brit School. He was a friend of mine and we were always the ones asked to give the tours to people coming to the Brit School because we, we'd actually done done our homework. Um, but he ended up being a junior A&R at an indie label and he sent me this random message. And I think the week before I'd said, I'm basically going to not do music anymore because it's too it's too painful. I was like... I will do it at home because I love it. But I was like, this is so painful. Just being rejected this much when you love something this much. I mean, this is why I have so much respect for people that hold on to like mm. decades because three years almost slayed me. Um, he's like, can I just show them a demo? And I was like, yeah, I mean, nothing ever worked there at all. Um, and it just turned out to be like the perfect, the perfect marriage of like indie label. And I just, I love them to bits because they, they took such a leap of faith on me. You know, I was 21. Like I, I wasn't like a teeny bopper. I was like, I felt like this is my one, one chance. And up until that point, it's always had to be like, do you have a demo? And I didn't, I had no demos. So I was like, I heard they had Tom Waits' piano up in their office and we were in a cafe downstairs. And I said, can I just play one song, please? And I remember feeling like that is the pushiest yes, thing I've ever done. You. I would never do that. I'm the opposite of that person giving people their demo. I'm like, if you don't want it, have it. it's fine. Like, I mean, it's totally cool. And they were like, are you sure you should be like pushing on people? I'm like, I can't do it. If people don't want I it, I know, I feel the same. But that's so good that you did that. You felt like that was the time to go for it. Yeah, I went upstairs and Tom Waits' piano was so gorgeous. And I was like, oh, I love this piano. Oh my God, I bet. Um, and I played Lost Without You. And they were like, we'll take you. And I was like, ha. I remember phoning my mom and just be like, said yeah. And she was like, no no and I was like oh my god like moving to Croydon and like almost losing a house was kind of worth it I think well but that song I mean and that song has just got so much power behind it I mean it got you signed it ended up being this huge song that Love Island played in this sort of seminal Love Island moment and everyone was bawling their eyes out and people just connect to that song. And I wonder if you realise that when you were writing it, like this has no. got something about it. I had no idea. <laughs> really? No, it was the strangest thing. Like I knew it was a different kind of song because 
all of the other songs, like there would always be an element of um, of like trying or thinking. There'd always be like most of it was feeling, but then you'd also put in a bit of like effort. And this one, there was no effort. I literally played it from beginning to start. Like literally, I'm sat at the the piano. I'm sat literally. It's right here. <laughs> and oh. I sat here as like I can't remember how old I was. I was like twenty, and I was like absolutely heartbroken beyond all recognition like I'd never felt more alone and also like not going to school locally once you leave it there was there were no local friends again I was like I'm back I'm back in where the place I know being on, on my <laughs> own thing um, but I was like I shut my eyes and the whole thing came out fully formed and I opened them and I was like not many things make me cry and I was like that made me want to cry and I was like wow I should never show that to anyone was my first thought and then I was like, because it was so personal. Is that why? Yeah, I was like, I should keep playing covers of like Steve Green to get you. Like, that would be a good idea. And I remember the first time I think I played it at a pub up the road, and it was like my dad and my brother had to carry the keyboard because it's so heavy. It's like a beast. And I was like, I, could, I should just, I shouldn't even play piano songs. I should just play guitar. And they were like, no, you're going to play this song in a pub to like four men and a dog. And it's going to be, yeah. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do it. <laughs> but looking back, it's like, fast forward like five years and we're doing sound check at, at the Apollo and like 5,000 people in hometown and my parents and my brother came to the sound check and they stood in like the space of 5,000 people and I was like I remember when it was just us at a pub up the road Wow! and it shows you the power of like of one song really genuinely. It's so beautiful and I love hearing from musicians when that happens, a song arrives. It's I mean, arrived. that to me, someone that's not musical, oh, I can only dream of such a feeling. And also, most of the best songs are either about love or lost love and that pain that comes with it. Do you find it, or I guess you must have found it easier in that moment, but to channel pain and sorrow and get that out in a cathartic way in your music? it's not easy I think the thing that people like it's such a playing the songs when they're done is like the most fun thing ever but like digging to new painful emotional depths is it's something I'm still I run from I run from on a daily basis I'm like can I avoid feeling that much pain um but then there's a point where you're like I just want to like it's almost like sitting down at the piano is the best therapy it really is because parts of your subconscious it's like in dreams when random things come out you're like oh, I wouldn't know I felt like that I didn't know that until it came out. And I also realized that I always shut my left eye. I always shut both my eyes when I write, but especially my left for some reason. And then finding out that the kind of the creative, oh wait, is it my left or my right? One of my eyes. (laughs) (laughs) And it makes you feel like you can kind of get lost in that kind of theta state. Mm. You're not thinking, you're not thinking, you're feeling. And it's kind of like, it's not even you really you get taken over by something kind of more powerful to let your subconscious speak to you um but it's strange when people are like you know you must be loving this time to write I'm like I'm so scared of it but then once you actually once it comes out you're like I'm so relieved I'm so happy I love like doing this but beforehand oh that's scary yeah I I hear you when I this is it. Um, I feel the same when I'm writing. I just finished a new book and I'm like, oh, I don't think I can go through this again. And, you know, like you say, excavating your own life and digging around, you just think, I don't, I can't got the energy for it. But usually if you go to those depths, you know, they're connective 
pieces of work and that's a really important thing so once you were signed that's a whole different kettle of fish so you've got then other people having a say on what's been truly personal to you for years by this point because you've been writing for a long time and and creating a body of work you know how how intrusive was that period and 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 how did you find other people saying could you not do that could you try this I mean, it was a shift. It's a, genuinely a big shift, especially when you have been writing on your own for so many years and suddenly you're in like loads of sessions with people and, you know, in strange people's houses and you're like, oh, like this is so crazy. But then sometimes you form like really special bonds with people. And I think the, the most beautiful thing about the indie label that I signed to was I feel almost like a marriage, like when you're with the wrong person, you know, but when you're with the right person, you know, because they tell you not to change anything. They're like, do like you keep your full name, Good. keep your hair color, play the songs like you play them at home. And I was like, no one has ever said that. I think the closest thing, like, you know, there was a major label before who was like, you're definitely going to have to like not have your second name. Definitely going to have to write happier songs. That's for sure. And I was like, oh, and then the, when they sort of dropped out of the universe, I was like, I feel like that's a mixed, that's a, it's a blessing really. It is a blessing because hopefully I'll find someone now who, accepts and loves me for who I am and that's when that's the only reason that this kind of happened I know for sure if they'd have been like you then give you a different name do this I would have been like it's when you stand still and that's ubiquitous in the music industry you know that's not a rare thing you know we've all seen that happen a lot of times I think especially with the younger end of the scale and predominantly females and I still look at the music industry sometimes and think you know, why are some females forced to or it's suggested that they have to be overly glamorous or overly sexualized above what they're capable of doing musically? Because I think people thought it would sell. And it's so strange because it doesn't. Yeah, but it still happens. Yeah. It still happens. But then the blokes roll up in a pair of yeah. jeans. And I'm like, <laughs> what? I don't know. Like, how do you find peace with that? I find it, I, I find it frustrating. Mm. And I'm not really even in the music industry these days. But it I do is. think it, that's just a bit odd. It is odd. It is odd. It's a strange thing because the thing that really connects people is like realness like songs yeah songs. songs and it's so like it's one of the things I feel most passionately about in the entire world is that you know young singers especially female singers writing their own songs is the only power that you're gonna have in this industry otherwise you are kind of like a turtle without a shell like you are just going to be so vulnerable to anyone who wants to say or do anything and it's like no you need to have the songs that have your back and you need to have a support system and a family or friends that have your back because it's just really, really important to kind of thank That's why I'm saying like the three years in the wilderness, thank God, because if I'd have got this opportunity when I was straight out of school, I would have been like, yeah, sure. Like change all my songs. Like mm. do it. And I had three years to be like, to really sort of crystallize what was authentic to me. And so when people came along and were like, change it, I was like, no, and that's the power of that is is the songs. And my dad was always like growing up, he's like, that's the only way that you're going to have any power over your own destiny is if you write your own destiny by writing songs. And so when young girls mm. ask me, like, how do you do it? I'm like, you keep writing as much as you keep singing, but they are one and the same. And also to have the confidence to actually say no, because... Um... You know, I think certainly in my 20s, I was very impressionable. And also I wasn't particularly comfortable with who I was. So I was constantly 
dyeing my hair black and then, you know, piercing my nose and then whatever, dressing like someone I thought was cool. And I think it does take confidence to go, actually, you know what? I'm really fine as I am. I mean, I'm totally fine as I am hurtling towards 40. It'd be worrying if I wasn't, but I am, you know, I'm just me. And if people don't like that, fine. But I think in my twenties, I I certainly suffered from really trying to emulate others that I thought were interesting, cooler, more talented or whatever. And I think it does take great confidence to go, no, I'm, I'm really fine as I am. I mean, how going from being sort of someone who was quite shy at school, how do you think you, you gained that confidence to, to start your career in a really authentic way? Having, having a family that grounds you is everything for me. Like I can't, I can't imagine doing this without them because there's just, you know, every doubt you have, every self doubt you have and you say, like, should I, should I not have my second name? Like, should I not do that? And they're like, my mum was like, you take up as much space as you can. Women have been taught to shrink themselves so you stand up taller. Like if you, you know, you don't lean to one side because you're tall, you just, you stand up and you take up that space. And I think it is so cripplingly hard when you kind of want to, you want to shrink yourself because all of the signals around you are telling you that that's the only way to kind of, you know, be liked and like, oh, it's just so annoying because the, the, the fire that we have, like the, the sort of, beautiful like rage that's like within us women it's like we're we're taught to kind of dye it down and like water it down so it's kind of acceptable to others and it's actually that fire that when you put it into something you love like whatever you know career or even life path that is that's the thing that's gonna change your life and keep you safe but you're taught that that's not gonna keep you safe so it's it's really strange to kind of try and reframe reframe the entire kind of industry because there are just so many young girls who want to be singers and it's there's there's nothing wrong with that I love singing singing was like my first love but the the power comes from being able to like you know control your own narrative and, and write your own stories mm, I think it's it's really wise because um especially if you do have that real laser focus this is all I want to do I want to be signed I want to release music there is that temptation of so yes I will do whatever you need oh, me so to hard. I, I will... have so many friends that they're like things get tough they instantly dye their hair they instantly change their name they instantly change their genre and I'm like my god if I'd have done that every time I felt really like shaky and weak this would not have happened that's terrifying mm. I was like no it's just I think the one thing if I could convey to like anyone is that holding on is worth it like holding on to who you really are like what sparks joy within you um because it is it is worth it and I could never have believed that I was like surely something massive will have to to change to make the outside world the only thing that changed was me accepting who I really was and then the rest of the world just seemed to do it en masse and I was like what it was that it was that okay Mm, I think it's so often the case that if you you know it might not even be um self-acceptance but it could be finding peace with something that you find really tricky I think once you've done that lots of things do fall into place Mm -hmm. with a lot more ease than you could have imagined you think oh it's got to be a fight it's got to be tough I need to change this about me I need to be better at this more this less that and actually it's just about going this is who I am there's all different aspects of me good bad and ugly Mm. and everybody 
I'm accepting it. If you do, great. If you don't, whatever. And then that's what you did. You know, you did it way before me. Hello. You did this right at the start of your career. I grew up. I think, oh my God, I remember at the Brit School, we did, we watched like the Brits are coming um, 2011 and you, I think were hosting it. And I was in, like, we were in the audience. Yes, I used to do it every year. I remember that. Were you actually there? Oh my God. What, who else was I hosting? Was it at the Roundhouse? Um, It was in the Indigo at the Brit. Um, no, the O2, I think. Oh, I remember that one. I yeah, Ellie, the, I, know, I remember Golding that one. Played. Ellie Golding was there. Remember. She was one of her first before. And Jessie J. Yeah, Jessie J. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, remember, I remember doing that. that. Yeah, how crazy. Oh my God, that's so funny. Okay. But you know, during that aspect of my career, I don't think I was necessarily being 100% authentic because I think I was too scared that I couldn't just be me, which, you know, I don't oh. really like wearing little dresses and high heel shoes and having my hair all blow dried I'm just so the hair thing. I feel like that's an unanimous that. way that people kind of take control of like you if they tell you what to like, do with your hair. my hair it's really ratty and I just don't brush it much and I I'm fine with it and I can get away with it like within stunning. my happy place world but it looks like so you like, it looks like you it's me yeah yeah I can't I just can't do it and thank god you didn't dye your hair I've got my <laughs> daughter's got exactly the same hair color as you is and, she a redhead is she a oh she's a gorgeous gorgeous redhead and it's like long and curly I saw on your, and, her, um, your Instagram she has like oh, stunny hair like down to her, like really long yeah long it's so gorgeous so thank god we need more redheads out there um but yeah I think it's great that you've done that at such a young age because my god it took me into way into my 30s to get there so I think it's brilliant and all you'll do now is just keep thriving and and writing brilliant songs and you know getting more and more confident in the space that you hold and that's a wonderful wonderful thing thank you it's just the strangest thing that the more you suffer at school, I think the greater your life is going to be. And it's just, it's a horrible thing because there's so many, you know, young people and you just can't really explain to them. You're like, you know, if you, if the best time of your life is when you're 17 at school, like bad news for the rest of your life. Honestly, it's like, you just need to have that passion for something that you absolutely love. And if it's like really weird and nerdy and it, but if it's like, if it lights you up, then, then do it. It's like, there is no cool genre. There is, you know, cool is the death of authenticity. So you need to oh, fight against Oh, I hate cool. That. I hate cool it. Cool is so... <laughs> I tried to be cool for so many years back in the day knowing I wasn't. And I still yeah. look at people now who are like naturally cool and I think, how are you how? doing that? How yeah. are you doing cool? It's so amazing. I'm just not. And I can't be asked with cool anymore. I'm not no. cool. If you text me, I'm going to text you back instantly. That's who I am. I'm not going to be like a day late because I'm busy. Yeah. I can't be asked. I'm going to text you back straight away. I'm going to t- type that. so fast that you won't believe I've texted you back so quickly. That's how uncool I am. And I don't care anymore. That lights you up. And that's like, yeah. it, it happens, you're right, on the micro. And then suddenly when it comes to the big things, you're like, no, I know that the what is authentic to me now. Like, I know that. Like, I'm, I'm not going to change for something big because I've done all these little things that I love. And it's, yeah. Oh, it's the best. I just think what you're doing is going to be very impactful for a lot of um, young people out there. And and also, you know, we haven't really talked so much about the impact school can have on you, actually. And I think that that is really integral for young people, also for parents who are very worried that if their kids aren't, you know, in big friendship groups or head boy, head girl or whatever, that they, oh, yeah. they have to worry. And I you know, you've articulated perfectly well there that actually it can be a really positive thing to give you great resilience and um, and a good story for later down the line when you're really forming who you are and ready to show the world who you are. So 
um i'm oh, really glad that you. we that we had that chat thank you so much freya and again thank, thank you, you so for being for part me, of the podcast because i mean of the festival sorry because not only <laughs> are you on the podcast but to have you at the festival is a real a real treat so hopefully we'll get totally to my honor i'll see be there in the flesh soon <laughs> as well i know next year fingers crossed that'll be so fingers crossed so fun. oh my god can you imagine all of the love and like festival excitement just oh. floating like two like next year it's gonna be like, next summer like, will be so moment. lovely it'll be so yeah. lovely thank you freya thank you so much for having me fun Oh, huge thank you to Freya for taking the time to speak to me. What an absolute ray of sunshine. I loved chatting to Freya. And for all of the fact checkers out there, the condition we were feeling our way around where you could maybe see sounds or taste words is called synthesisia. It's fascinating, obsessed with that one. So now you can lose yourself in that part of the internet if you so desire. You can hear more from Freya at, yep, that's right, the Happy Place Virtual Festival. It's all happening online this year. And get this, it's for a whole month and it's totally free. Just head to happyplacefestival.com. We've got amazing acts like Gary Barlow, Craig David, as well as chats with Gok One, Emma Willis, Clara Ampho, Reggie Yates, Tom Daly and Lance Black, and Tom and Giovanna Fletcher, Bryony Gordon, Scarlett Curtis. I mean, there's more. There's so much more. You need to just go and have a dig around, look at our site map, have a look, see which things take your fancy. And just like last year, we'll have amazing well-being, nutrition and fitness experts to help inspire positive change in your life. It started on Friday and lasts for a whole month. So what are you waiting for? To subscribe for free, visit happyplacefestival.com. Thank you again to the wonderful Freya and to my producer, Matt Hill. Thank you, Matt, at Rethink Audio. And to you lovely lot for listening. Stay safe. Take it easy. Huge love to all of you. See you next week. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.